And thank you for joining us for another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee recently considered several supply chain-related bills. H.R. 3372, which was introduced by South Dakota Republican Congressman Dusty Johnson, would establish a voluntary pilot program for states to increase truck weights on federal interstates up to 91,000 pounds on six axles. Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, says the bill is a common-sense solution to many challenges. Well, there's been an effort for a considerable period of time to increase the efficiency of truck transportation, and a number of states have actually done so. They allow trucks that are heavier in weight with additional axles to operate on state and local system. But it's always been a challenge to get that instituted at the federal level on the interstate system. The opponents of it, you know, it's easy to have more of a knee-jerk reaction to this and just make an assumption that if you have a heavier truck, that must mean a more dangerous system. And that's actually not the case when you have an additional axle. An extra axle on trucks transporting goods would be better for the interstate system. You displace the weight so that the actual imprint on the road is actually less than a five axle, 80,000 pound semi. And it also is actually safer because you all of a sudden add an additional set of brakes so that the stopping distance will be actually less. So there's a real good message to tell on this. It is a common sense solution, but there historically have been some challenges in getting it instituted. The legislation would address some of the challenges the supply chain has battled since COVID-19. We have a truck driver shortage. We have a desire to decrease costs. We want to decrease emissions. We want to transport more. And what we found is that by adding that additional axle and then you add additional weight, you're able to really increase efficiency and cost savings for agriculture and other utilizers of the system, but you're also actually increasing motorist safety. And the main way in which you achieve that is you're taking a given amount of freight and you're apportioning that over fewer semi-trucks. And Steenhook says simple math shows the advantage of the extra axle and weight for transportation to and from elevators. Elevator that has to restrict itself to an 80,000 pound five axle semi, they will have 838 additional semi trips in a given year. So 838 additional times in which a semi is leaving that facility, returning to that facility. And clearly that scenario is going to present more danger than having those 838 trips never materialize in the first place. It really has a good story to tell on motorist safety, on infrastructure wear and tear. And then of course, with additional cost savings, efficiency gains, fewer emissions, all these things that we really want to do. We want to check a lot of these boxes, and this is a piece of legislation that would achieve that. The bill now goes to the full House for consideration. A companion bill is expected to be introduced in the Senate as well. Well, wheat country is mirrored by long-term drought. While the latest drought monitor last week shows significant drought improvement, the damage to the wheat crop in Oklahoma is already done. Dennis Shane Halls is president of the Oklahoma Wheat Growers and shares how the winter wheat looked in Oklahoma during this month's winter wheat tour. We saw a lot of the same thing we saw in western Kansas. A lot of short wheat, a lot of freeze damage, a lot of drought damage, not much disease. It was just a lot of thin stands. The wheat was really short, the heads are small, and the yields are going to be small too. 
Dennis and his family farm near Enid, Oklahoma, north of Oklahoma City. We raise wheat, soybeans, and hay. We also have a registered cattle operation, but this year we're struggling a lot. A lot of other people are, but we are a little more fortunate than they are out in the western panhandle. We have had some rain. We got a good stand early on. January, we got a nice rain. Faucet turned off, and we didn't get a rain for 85 days. In March, the whole month of March, it probably was 5 to 15 degrees above our average temperature. We had a lot of gusty wind. Some days it would blow 25, 30 with gusts of 50 or more. And so it dried everything out. We lost approximately half of our yield potential in the month of March. Now this is year two of exceptional drought as classified by the drought monitor. He says the recent rains have been welcome. And that's probably helped me, myself and my family and my neighbors more than anything seeing rain and because you know, we not only needed it to fill the grain in the heads of the wheat that's already been headed out, but we also needed it for the pastures and the field for the cattle, and we also needed it for our summer crops. We all have neighbors that are raising alfalfa hay, and they have other livestock. We just didn't have any pond water to water our livestock. They're having to haul water to them every day. The more rain we get, the better off we'll be there, and I think that makes everybody happy when it rains and then the sun shines the next day. Still, he expects a short wheat crop this year. Last year, Oklahoma raised a 70 million bushel crop. Typical crop for Oklahoma is 100 million bushel plus. This year, it's going to be below 50 million bushel. So that's half of a normal crop, and that's two crops that are below normal in two straight years. So we're hoping that the price gets better and stays good, and we hope that we continue to get rainfall for the fields. That hay ground that I had destroyed from wheat, you know, we're going to go back with soybeans and double crop it, and hopefully we'll get a soybean crop to help pay the bills. Again, that is Dennis Shane Halls, Oklahoma Wheat Growers President. The Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis shared the results of its Agricultural Credit Conditions Survey for the first quarter of 2023. Joe Mahon is the Regional Outreach Director for the Minneapolis Fed. Agricultural lenders say farmers in the 9th District are in overall solid condition. Farmers continue to be in pretty solid condition. And this has been true really since the waning period of the pandemic. We've seen strong commodity prices, and that's benefited farm households quite a bit. So we've seen continued strong income. The incomes that we saw in the first quarter of 2023 compared to a year earlier. Increase on balance. We also saw increases in household spending. However, capital spending by farms, purchases of equipment and buildings was relatively flat overall. That lack of increase in capital spending comes from two factors. Folks largely attributed that to supply chain issues and availability of equipment, as well as to higher interest rates that it's going to take to finance those purchases. We did see continued increase in interest rates, not surprising given the economic environment right now. Higher rate of loan repayment, kind of consistent with a relatively good cash position of farmers and also consistent with that decrease in loan demand, farmers demanding less credit because they have more cash on hand. We saw continued increase in land values and rents from a year ago, and that's all good news. And ag lenders are somewhat less optimistic for the second quarter looking forward, we also asked these lenders about their outlook for the coming quarter, and that was a little bit more uncertain. In fact, the income picture takes a negative turn, at least in the outlook. A lot of comments on what was going on behind that. A lot of folks pointed to an expectation for downward movement in agricultural commodity prices and for persistently high input costs, kind of compressing those profit margins for farm operations. And once again, that is comments with Joe Mahon, Regional Outreach Director for the Minneapolis Fed. 
Well, that is all the time we have on this episode of American Ag Today. If you have stories for the show, you can send them to me via email, Allen at AmericanAgNetwork.com, J-E-S-S-E-A-L-L-E-N at AmericanAgNetwork.com. This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.